Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 and read... Uh, the first 20 verses and look today at some unexpected guests, some unexpected guests. And so Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says this, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, not, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's say a quick word of prayer, ask God to bless this time, and then we'll dive right into the message for today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, this opportunity now that we have to look into your word, uh, to be able to unpack, uh, Lord, truly what you have for us. And uh, God, I pray that you would just bless the preparation that has been uh, taking taken place to uh, prepare this message. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless it, that you would uh, be with every word that comes out of my mouth. I pray that it would flow from your heart and that uh, it would just speak to each and every one of us in here today. God, I pray that uh, whatever you speak to us about, uh, that you would give us the, the grace and the strength we need to respond to you and to apply it to our hearts and our lives this week. Uh, we thank you for your word and the way that you will speak to us through it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, how many of you have uh, ever been invited to a birthday party? Anybody? All right. Okay. So we got something in common today. Uh, how many of you have uh, ever been invited to the uh, birthday party of someone who is royal? No hands went up that time. <laughs> uh, why? Well, because normally those kind of events are uh, 
for the really special people, right? Uh, those kind of events are for uh, the very important, really the, uh, the elite of the elite uh, are the ones who end up at events like that. Uh, I was uh, looking at uh, just this past week, some of the royal births, um, and, and specifically, not just birthdays, which is already a big to-do, uh, but uh, specifically when a royal birth takes place in like England and other countries, uh, how big of a thing it is for uh, higher ups to be able to come and to see this baby. And, uh, and those who get to see the baby uh, are no commoners. <laughs> they are people who hold power, position, and, uh, and, and leadership within that country usually. Uh, they come and, and really that's what I expect when I think of uh, the coming of a royal baby. Uh, a royal child being born. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to just let any uh, dirty, common person uh, on the street to come and to see that baby. And uh, I, I think of uh, even specifically, uh, I don't know how many of you have seen the old Disney movie Sleeping Beauty. Uh, when Aurora is born, and like they're all hail to the princess, Aurora. you know that part. That's what I see. Okay, that's what that's what I picture when I think of like a royal birth. Is like all of them are there's this big fanfare, and all the people are excited, and then uh, people come and bring these extravagant gifts uh, to uh, a baby, and, and that's what I think of when I think of the birth of a king or uh, the birth of royalty. They bring gifts, and, and there's that fanfare, and all these important people in the kingdom are invited. Uh, and, and, you know, if that's the kind of celebration and guest list that earthly royalty gets, then one would expect that the king, the king above all kings, uh, the royalty of heaven, that the guest list for that king uh, would be immense, uh, and that it would be very elite. Uh, but instead, we see some people invited to uh, participate and, and see the birth of this king uh, as people that you might not really expect, uh, some shepherds. And so let's unpack this story for uh, us this morning. First of all, uh, before we even get into uh, where the shepherds come in, uh, we see in, in the beginning of Luke chapter 2 uh, just that uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, they have to go back uh, to Bethlehem, where Joseph was originally from. He's from the lineage of David, even as we saw last week uh, in Matthew chapter 1. And so because of that, he would have to go back to the city of David, which was Bethlehem, whenever uh, a census or a taxing was to be done. And so they would go back to their hometown, uh, and they would uh, give their taxes, and they would be registered uh, on the census. And so uh, they would uh, travel all the way from Nazareth, of Galilee, uh, all the way down uh, to Bethlehem. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I read the Bible, I try to picture what's going on. Uh, and when I, when I originally normally picture this, uh, I picture, uh, you know, the whole cutesy nativity of, uh, of how Mary and, and Joseph uh, go on just dry ground all the way across. Now, it would actually look more so like this, uh, that they would have to travel across. Now, remember, the Bible tells us here that Mary was great with child. She was nine months pregnant, all right? Can you imagine riding a donkey over hills like this for however many miles all the way down in the cold, uh, all the way to uh, the cold of night, and then camping <laughs> on different spots to get all the way down 
to Bethlehem. I can't imagine it. I remember when uh, Rebecca was only like five months pregnant, not even great with child yet. Uh, just, she was just like five months pregnant, and I, I hit a speed bump just a little bit too fast. And some of you ladies who have had children might understand that that does something that uh, you're like, no, <laughs> okay? Uh, so I can't even imagine the uncomfortable uh, how uncomfortable it would have been for Mary here uh, to be traveling on a donkey all the way through hills just like this one. And then uh, it tells us that when they get there, there's no room for them in the inn. And so they would have had to go to a place uh, that was a stable. The, the innkeeper said uh, at some point that he had some stables uh, because there weren't, wasn't any room for an inn. And a lot of times we think of, like, again, the cutesy nativity, brown little shack that looks all awesome. Um, really, this is about what a stable would have looked like in those days. They would have carved into a rock, a cave of some kind, and just shoved all of the animals within there. And then uh, we, we see that Jesus was laid in a manger. Uh, and again, we see this little nice cutesy wooden stable with hay made perfectly, but really it would have been a feeding trough that they would have chipped out of some of the rock that was already in that cave, and they would have uh, put hay there and and laid Jesus, this baby, uh, within a feeding trough. And so we see here uh, really even a situation that even our, our commercialized view now of the Christmas story uh, is, doesn't expect, uh, but this wouldn't have been uh, something that we would think the, the king of all kings would come into. And yet this is where, uh, this is the, the traveling that would have had to take place, a very uncomfortable uh, trip. This would have been the place that they would have been, and this would have been the place where Jesus was born. And then we get to uh, verse 8, where it tells us that the, there are some shepherds in the fields. Now, when I was in Israel, these fields that are on the screen right now, they actually call, still to this day, the shepherd's fields. Now, we don't know if it was the shepherd's fields uh, of this story, uh, but even today, uh, there are shepherds that all throughout this area uh, take their sheep. I think I have a picture even of uh, a shepherd taking their sheep uh, around this area. And so uh, there, these fields, we see that uh, these shepherds, they're just out uh, in the middle of nowhere, really, the middle of uh, wide open land with all of these sheep in the middle of the night. Uh, now, think about a shepherd's job. It, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like the premier job to look for, all right? In fact, shepherds many times, uh, people didn't even listen to the words they had to say because they were like so low on the totem pole. Uh, I think of in the book of uh, of First Samuel, I believe it is, when uh, David is anointed to be king and Jesse has all of his sons come before uh, Samuel and Samuel sees all of them and uh, he's like, oh, this has to be the king. And God says, no, none of those people are the, uh, none of these sons are the king. Uh, the, you're looking at the stature of them, I'm looking at the heart. And Samuel says, hey, uh, is there, are there any more sons? And Jesse's like, oh yeah, just the guy watching the sheep, <laughs> David. Uh, they were just an afterthought. The shepherds, they were, they were people that no one put any thought into. They were forgotten people uh, just be, outside of town in the middle of fields uh, watching sheep. It wasn't just uh, a, a, a job that what people didn't want, but it was also uh, a dirty job. <laughs> it, it was a dangerous job. 
that uh, you, you, they would have had to uh, protect the sheep from lions and, uh, and from bears, as David even says uh, that he did when he was speaking to Saul right before fighting Goliath. He said, I ha- I've had to fight off lions, I've had to fight off bears, and the Lord was with me in, in th- those times. It was a dangerous job uh, to keep uh, certain uh, predators away from the sheep. It was also a job uh, that would be frustrating As Jesus uh, talks about being the good shepherd and gives an outline of what a good shepherd does, uh, he follows through and talks about the fact that sometimes shepherds, I mean sheep, uh, wander and and stray away and you lose one (laughs) and so they have to go and find it and it might be caught in a ditch, it might have, uh, you know, it's said that sheep are some of the dumbest animals uh, around, and so they just see something and get distracted and go away from the pack. It would be a frustrating job. Not only that, but it would somewhat, outside of all of that, at night, be a boring job. You're watching sheep. It's not like you're watching football. Like, you're watching sheep sleep. It's like watching paint dry, all right? You're watching sheep sleep. It wasn't some exciting thing uh, to have this job. And yet, on this night, quite an exciting thing happens for these shepherds. Now, uh, it, it tells us that in verse 9, as they're, as they're just there, as they're sitting in the fields, maybe uh, playing rock, paper, scissors with the others, who, who knows, just to keep the time away, uh, they're sitting there in the field watching their flocks, and then it tells us that, Uh, an angel just shows up in the sky. Now, there's a reason that angels, almost every time they show up in Scripture, the first words they say are, fear not. Why? Because that's a scary thing. All right? Imagine the most boring, frustrating, uh, monotonous job. There's the same thing we do all the time, and all of a sudden something new happens, and that something new isn't like, whoa, that's a, diff- that's a wolf now and we've been fighting lions. No, it's not something new like that. An angel shows up in the middle of the sky and starts talking to you. I scare easily. <laughs> so I picture this as like uh, these people talking and doing what they always do and then all of a sudden, boom, fear not. Okay, <laughs> I won't. Fear not. Uh, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all. All people. The angel tells them that uh, they, that he has good news for them. The words "good tidings" uh, here in uh, Scripture it's it's the Greek word "euangelizo," which, uh, if you were to transliterate it, looks very similar to the, our our English word "evangelize." Uh, uh, in fact, this word in Scripture, uh, in other places of Scripture, 23 times, uh, I believe it is, is translated, uh, preach the word or preach the gospel. Uh, so this, these words, I'm bringing you good tidings, uh, really what the angels are saying is, I'm bringing you good news, I'm bringing you the gospel, and we'll see that in a moment. I, that's truly what this angel was doing. I'm bringing the gospel to you. Here is the good news. The Savior is born. The Savior that we've been waiting, that you all have been waiting for, has come. Uh, as we looked at last week, when the word Christ is used in Scripture, to us that just seems as part of Jesus' name, Jesus Christ. That 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 just flows with it. But the word Christ to them was very significant in the fact that that meant 
the one we have been waiting for, the Messiah. So when this angel says uh, that uh, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, they would have immediately, because of their upbringing and the teaching of the priests to them, they would have known this angel is saying the one that we've been reading about through the entire Old Testament and, and the one that the priests have been telling us to look forward to coming, this angel is telling us that he has come. This is good news that shows up. And then, as if one angel isn't enough of a scare, it tells us that uh, after telling the, the shepherds uh, the, that the Savior is here, that he is in a manger, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, you'll be able to find him in that way. It says, suddenly there was with the angel, in verse 13, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, It's almost as if, uh, here's the proclamation of the good news. The Savior is here. And then, uh, you know when something big happens in a movie and the music behind it just accentuates that? I almost see that as happening. Like, the Savior's here. Glory! You know, like all of these angels just show up and accentuate the good news to say, glory to God in the highest on earth. Uh, and, and it says, uh, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, this, this verse is where we get uh, the Latin words of the Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, all right? That, those words in Latin mean glory to God in the highest. This is the song that the angels would have been singing. And, and so the, the shepherds see uh, an amazing sight. I, I can't even imagine being a shepherd and living the life that I normally live and then experiencing this. This would have been uh, an incredible experience to them. The angels brought them some good news, the, the news of the Savior. And I believe that as we unpack the rest of this story and see the response of these shepherds, that we can learn some valuable lessons about our response to the good news of the Savior. We would call that the gospel. Uh, Our response to the gospel, their response to the good news, uh, I believe our response to the good news should also uh, mirror this. And so I first of all want us to see from the shepherds that the gospel produces an action. The gospel produces an action. If you look at verse 15 and 16, it tells us this. It says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They heard the good news and it brought them to action. They were so moved by what they had heard that it inspired them to do something about it. Uh, They said to each other, they said, let's go see what the angels are talking about. Let's go see this. And what I find really interesting about it is that the shepherds weren't told to go to Bethlehem. They weren't commanded to go. They were just told that it was taking place. Uh, they, they weren't, it, the, you, you, you go back and read what the angel said. The angel didn't say, now go to Bethlehem. That's not what the angel said. It just said, this is taking place in Bethlehem, an amazing thing. The Savior is born. And, and anyone who wants to find him, you'll find him in this uh, position, in swaddling clothes, 
lying in a manger. And, and hearing that moved the shepherds to action. It, it, it moved them because of what they had heard. You know, I think back to the f- time that I first heard the good news of the Savior, the gospel. I remember uh, that it, it moved me to accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I remember I was, I was a young a boy. I don't remember if I've told the entire story, but uh, when I was in uh, the preschool kindergarten-ish class uh, uh, the, in my home church, uh, we had this really nice old lady who was, who was just very loving and told us the love of God and the love of Christ and God loves you and will forgive you and give you mercy and give you grace. And it was all so encouraging and really what we needed at that point in our life, that God loves you. We needed to be enamored by that thought. Uh, but then when I graduated into the kindergarten, first grade boys class, I remember that uh, our teacher, for lack of better terms, was an old crotchety man <laughs> uh, who, who was what some people would entitle a hail, fire, and brimstone preacher, all right, to five and six-year-olds, okay? Uh, he, he, I remember he would point us straight in the face and say, you're going to split hell wide open if you don't get saved. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what happened to the love that I was hearing? Go, let me go back to her class. What, what is happening? But I remember uh, through hearing the good news of the gospel, I remember going to my mom and saying, mom, make sense of all this. Uh, what, what's going on? And she showed me the balance uh, between God's holiness and justice and, his, and, and having to pour his wrath upon sin, uh, but also the, the balance between that and his love and forgiveness and his mercy and how all of that culminates in one person, Jesus Christ. And I remember as a young boy there, uh, just ex- coming to the saving knowledge of Christ to see, man, I am a sinner, but Jesus sent his only son to die for me and I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior at a young age. I remember that day and how, uh, how uh, the gospel, it, it moved me to action to accept Jesus Christ as my savior. I, I think for uh, some of us, the, the good news uh, just isn't as exciting as it once was. The reason that it doesn't move us to action so much anymore is because the good news isn't quite as exciting as it once was. We understand the gospel is good news, but it doesn't really move us to do anything about it anymore. We've allowed the good news to become old news. And and it seems that the only thing hearing the gospel does for many Christians now is signal that the sermon's almost over and they start to put things away. Uh, that, that seems to be what uh, sometimes just happens uh, in, in Christianity today. But can I remind us of that amazing news this morning? That God sent his only son, Jesus, down to this earth to live a sinless life and, and to change the lives of many. He would, he would make the blind to see. He would uh, make the deaf to hear. He would uh, make the lame to walk, the lepers clean. He would uh, ri- raise the dead to live again. And so much more. And he would teach about the kingdom of God and how he was the doorway to heaven. And one day when the religious leaders had enough of his teachings, Jesus, God in the flesh, allowed himself ultimately uh, to be betrayed, to be denied, uh, to be beaten, and to be killed in the most gruesome way possible. Uh, Jesus, God in the flesh, allowed himself to go through all of that uh, specifically for us. And three days later, it tells us that he rose from the grave to prove that he truly is God, to prove that he truly has power over sin and over the grave, and to prove that he can be trusted. That is 
the good news. He did all of that so that you and I wouldn't have to make the payment for, of, for our sin ourselves. The Bible says that the wages or the payment of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But God didn't want us to have to pay that penalty. And so he had Jesus come to take our place and to pay that payment with his death on the cross. And because he did that, if we place our faith and trust in his work on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead, if we accept his gift of salvation, then we can live forever in heaven with him when we die or when he comes back to take us to heaven, whichever comes first. My friends, that is the gospel. That is the good news. Uh, I, I pray that we may never get over all that God did for us and all that Jesus went through to bring us back to himself. He moved heaven and earth just to make a, a way for you and me to spend eternity with him. And when we truly grasp that, it will move us to action. It, it will mo motivate us to love and follow him with our hearts and our lives every single day. It, it will motivate us to spend time with him in his word and, and in prayer. It will motivate us to draw closer to him. Why? Because that's what good news does. Uh, good news produces an action. We see the shepherds move to action because of what they heard. And it was, it was a quick action. If you look at verse 16, it says they, they did it with haste. They made, they, it was a quick action that uh, this produced. And may we rekindle the excitement that the gospel brings into our lives so that we may be motivated to do more for Christ because that's what good news does. It motivates us uh, and brings us to an action. It produces an action. But I notice also, verses 17 through 19, that the gospel, it produces an announcement. It doesn't just produce an action from us. It, it produces a specific announcement. Once these shepherds had experienced all that they had experienced, once they had an, an encounter with the Savior, they couldn't help but tell other people about it. <laughs> My friends, once you experience the grace and the goodness of God in your life, once you've experienced what the gospel can do in and through your life, it will cause you to want to tell others. When we hear about a, a great sale or a free giveaway or, or whatever, we, we hear about a good church, what is our normal reaction to tell other people about that thing? When we find something that is good, our normal reaction is to tell others about it. Uh, we should be doing the same with the gospel. Uh, those of us who have not only heard the good news, but have experienced salvation because of it, we should be telling others about it. The shepherds, they, they weren't told to go to Bethlehem, and they weren't told to tell other people about what they saw. Uh, but uh, they just couldn't help but tell other people about it. Uh, we, on the other hand, we're, we're commanded by God to preach the gospel to every creature. It's, it's in our calling to tell people about Christ. Uh, but even if there wasn't an imperative in Scripture to do so, uh, we should want to do so. Why? Because of the change that it brought to our lives. Uh, we, uh, the change that the gospel brings uh, should motivate us to tell other people that it can change their lives just the same way. Uh, it is a life-changing gospel. Which brings me to the last point, which is I see in verse 20, that the gospel produces an alteration. It produces a change within someone's life. We see that these shepherds who were abiding, they were living in the fields, quiet, keeping to themselves, keeping a close eye on the sheep. We see these guys, 
now throwing caution to the wind. They don't care who hears them. Uh, they are returning with shouts of praise and with singing of God's glory because of what they have seen and heard. Uh, it tells us in verse 20 that as they returned back to the fields, that they were uh, singing, they were praising and glorifying God for all the things which they had just heard and seen uh, as it was told unto them. That's quite the change. A mundane, monotonous job of living uh, now, uh, now changed to people who are loud and, and, uh, pro- and proclaiming what, the, uh, what is going on in their lives. People who normally would keep to themselves because no one would really listen to them. They were a forgotten people are now people who are proclaiming and, and sharing what has taken place in their life and praising God and glorifying God because of what they saw and they heard. Uh, it, it changed them. What took place changed them. Uh, I see in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that the Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When someone comes into contact with the Savior, they are changed forever. They're changed forever. Because of the gospel, uh, I've seen drug addicts get clean and help counsel others to do the same. I've seen families that were on the verge of destruction uh, be mended and thrive together because of the gospel. I've seen pathological liars, someone who you couldn't uh, believe a single word that came out of their mouth, become proclaimers, preachers, and teachers of the truth of God's word. And that change came about because of the gospel. The gospel changes people's lives. I remember a specific instance in, uh, in college uh, down in Oklahoma. Our, our church was having what they called a friend day. Uh, where uh, we were all encouraged to invite someone that we knew wasn't saved uh, to be our friend at, that day at church. And I remember this one friend of mine, he inv- invited one of his coworkers that uh, we, we honestly, we told him, out of all of your coworkers, that's the one guy don't invite. He's not coming, okay? Uh, this guy, he's just rough. Uh, he, I remember he, he had super uh, 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 long uh, hair, and uh, just to kind of describe him, hair, long hair, tattoos, uh, nose rings, earrings, punk rock kind of kid. It, 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 not that necessarily anything of that I just said is wrong, but the fact that uh, just his attitude went along with the look to show that, man, he is unapproachable. And yet our coworker, uh, this man uh, that was my friend at college, invited this coworker. And we were like, man, we're going to pray for him, but we don't know if he's going to come. And I remember on that friend day when he walked through the doors, how surprised we all were. But then on top of that, that, uh, that this man who was cold and unapproachable and, and, and someone who uh, really no one would ever see as, as changing or being, ever being outgoing of any kind, uh, because of that day hearing the gospel, his life was changed forever. I remember uh, when the invitation was given that day, uh, seeing him walk down the aisle all the way up to the front to the pastor. He was like, that guy told me what, what to do. I'm going to him. He wasn't going to anyone else. Uh, he was going straight to the pastor to ask him to, to show him from the word of God how he could be saved. Uh, I remember uh, seeing him walk down the, that aisle just looked out of place because everyone else in the church looked nothing like this, uh, this man. And as he walked down uh, and heard the gospel, he got saved, and from that point on, he was a completely different man. Uh, he, he was now uh, approachable, 
his spirit, his attitude changed. He, he all of a sudden, one that kept to himself was someone who uh, went out of his way to uh, tell people what was going on in his life and, and to invite people to his church to experience the same change that took place in his life. And eventually, uh, not just did that change take place in his demeanor, but uh, even things on the outward uh, appearance started to change just because he said, you know, I'm going to live for God and I, I believe that I should do that a certain way. And he just started going through uh, what he believed uh, would would uh, be uh, representat- representative of the gospel in, in his life, outward and inwardly. And I remember just seeing the change in his life from the inside out because of the gospel. It was an amazing thing. The gospel changes uh, every single one of us. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that uh, it doesn't just change our eternal destiny. It doesn't just change whether we know that we're on our way to heaven or not. Uh, In Romans 1.17, Paul explains that the gospel shapes each faith step that we take. Uh, God continues to change us each and every day through the process of sanctification. We we accept the gospel, we accept the gift, and and receive salvation, but that gospel should, can and should continuously change us each and every day to be conformed more into the image of Christ, to be more like Jesus. That is the gospel's work in our lives. God uses his word to consistently change us each and every time we open it, if we allow him to. Uh, some great lessons I, I believe that we can see from these shepherds. Just ordinary working people in this day. Not the kind of guests that you'd expect to be on the invite list to the birth of a king. But you know, as I thought about it this past week in studying, was it really all that unexpected? <laughs> these guests? I mean, who else would you expect to see at the stables? but some shepherds and a lamb, the perfect lamb of God that would come to take away the sins of the world as a man whose voice late 30 years from this event would cry out in the wilderness, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here is this lamb at his birth accompanied by shepherds. And although they were ordinary, I believe that we can learn some valuable lessons from them today. So as we close, I just want to ask a few questions. One would be this. Are we allowing God's word? Are we allowing the gospel? Are we allowing it to permeate our hearts and our minds? Are we allowing it to move us to action? Are, are we telling others about the gospel? And are we letting God's word shape and mold us more into the image of Christ? Are we allowing that to take place in our lives? Because that is the hope of Christmas. The change that, that Jesus brought to this world and can bring to each and every one of our lives. That is the hope of Christmas, the gospel. And we should be spreading it to others. Our world needs it more so now than it has ever needed this hope. And so will we allow the gospel to shape us, to mold us, and to move us to tell other people about it? However God's spoken to us today, I hope we'd respond. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, 
hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.